Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, the sports animals in the morning on ESPN Honolulu. Good morning, game day for the Rainbow Wahine and UH, well, the men's and women's basketball teams today up against Cal Poly. It's great to have important basketball games at any point of the season. I think for the rest of the year, for both teams, every game is that critical, as Laura Beeman told us yesterday, and both going to have impacts on where they are in the standing because everybody's so bunched up together for both the men and the women. Yeah, we're going to get to, uh, I mean, the biggest, the, probably the biggest uh, uh sports it was actually turned into a sports story yesterday it was the shooting in kansas city we'll get to that in a second uh first of all some local headlines uh the heidi and cook hhsaa d1 boys state basketball tournament brackets have been revealed and interesting to see that lele hua wins the oia yesterday so they are getting a bye uh, in the first round of the tournament, and the six, uh, the eight, uh, twelve teams, excuse me, Milivani still gets in, and in that game, you know, it was kind of a last-second victory for Lele who a three-pointer with six seconds left. I'm glad that even though Milivani lost, they're still not done, and they have a chance to win it all. Speaking of the bracket, uh, yesterday, uh, it's going to look like this. So St. Louis is the ILH champs. They are uh, the number one seed. Uh, OIA's Lele Hua, as Gary was just talking about, is number two. Kamehameha Hawaii, number three seed. Baldwin is number four. So when you look at this Heidi and Cook, uh, HHSA Division I Boys State Basketball Championship, the early round game, Punahou in Kailua at 6.30 Monday at Punahou. It's going to be one of the best games on the, uh, on the, on the card, as they say. Could be a championship game, and, and you know, yeah. when you look at this a month ago, these are the two teams that could have been playing for the championship. One of them still might. You know, I, I the, the, it's I wish that it would it would be seated as, and I, this is high school, so I get it. I wish these would be seated as, hey, who's the best four teams in the state? Are they your top four seeds? Unfortunately, it doesn't work out that way. And you know, I've wondered the same thing, and I have heard the people in charge saying that it's not where, because you're in the BIIF or Maui, wherever, that you get a buy automatically. It's supposed to be the four best teams. Still, we're seeing teams from every league be represented with a buy. I agree with you. It's nice that they get some acknowledgement or some reward, but it should be the four best teams getting the buy if you're going to do it that way. Well, yeah, and, you know, they. I mean – the way that they make the bracket, they they know that maybe two of the best teams are might you know could be Punahou and St. Louis, and so Punahou is on the other side of the bracket. They do that for a reason, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep the uh, I don't know. But... You know, it is it is what it is. It's high school sports. It's really at the end of the day, it's not that big a deal. But if you're going to make a tournament and you're going to have seedings, that's what seedings are for. 
if you earn the second seed, but you have an opening game against a team like, uh, you know, Kailua, you're not, it's it's not very much of a reward, is it? No, no. Well, they're not getting the reward because they lost the ILA championship to St. Louis. You're talking about Punahou. So that's why they're in the first round against Kailua, who didn't win the OIA. But I agree. If you're going to bunch these teams together, which they are for the states, see them by how good they are, not by which right. league they're in. Right. That's what I'm saying is your reward for playing good all season mm-hmm. long is, yeah. you know, and that's the reward. All right, let's move on. Uh, as uh, I was going to get to, uh, congratulations to the OIA champs uh, in uh, basketball, Lele Hua, uh, the D1 OIA champs. And Kaimuki comes from 20 points behind to beat Iaea, uh, making Iaea, uh, making the Bulldogs the D2 OIA champs. Congratulations to both teams. I mean, you see these games and these comebacks, and it's year after year. I, mean, I am such a big high school basketball fan here. I have loved the games, love the drama, love the talent. And when you see games like that, uh, they're just fantastic, and it just shows how competitive everybody is here. Well-coached teams and great players as well. I see here uh, Captain Fun is going to be on the show today, <laughs> and one of the things he's going to talk about is the UH football spring game. It's set. Yeah, February 25th they will have it. We heard that last night, and I'm uh, looking forward to that. They're a l- little bit more than halfway done with their spring practices, the 15 that they get. But good to know that they are going to have a spring game this year coming up, I believe, at 5 o'clock on the 25th. Uh, yes, so let's uh, uh, we can uh, get you ready for that. All that is going on. Of course, big news across the country is the mass shooting at the Kansas City Chiefs uh, Super Bowl victory parade. Uh, no new news, um, uh, a ton of news yet as far as a motive goes. At least 22 people were shot. Nine children among those hurt. Uh, it was not a terrorism or a planned attack. That's what police know so, uh, know so far. It was, uh, they say, uh, maybe just some knucklehead with a rifle and a beef with someone in the crowd is one of the things that I've read. Uh, three people are in custody. Um, all the members of the Kansas City Chiefs are safe. Patrick Mahomes uh, posted simply praying for Kansas City. The person killed was a, a, a radio DJ. Right. There's a popular Kansas City radio DJ, Lisa Lopez. She worked at KKFI, and uh, news came out fr- uh, in a post, a Facebook post, uh, asking, uh, really um, revealing the person who was killed uh, before the police or anybody else in kind of a m- memorandum. Her son was with her. I think her teenage son or an adult son, excuse me, and he was shot as well, and he is hospitalized still. And, I mean, I've been to one victory parade on the pro level. I've been to the volleyball one, too. I mean, you go to something like that, an event, as I think some of the chiefs said, or even the mayor, you know, it's supposed to be a happy environment. You know, happy time for all. A million people around that amount were there at the parade. And to have something like this happen, I mean, it's crazy. I guess we shouldn't be shocked with what goes on in the world, or at least this country these years. But still, (laughs) that was just so tragic. And credit to the real heroes there, the civilians that tackled at least two of the alleged gunmen and saved them, so to speak, for the police to come and arrest them. Because those guys didn't have to do that, and they really took quick action. So that was one of the good things out of it. I think the real uh, you also have to commend the police. You know, the the, the eight, they had 800 law enforcement officers 
to watch 800,000 people, and that still isn't enough. Uh, the police, and as the police, uh, I don't know if she was the police captain that kept, uh, you know, they kept showing her on the news, kept emphasizing that, you know, when this stuff happened, the police are the real heroes. They ran towards the fire, right? It's kind yeah. of a motto that you hear in the Marine Corps. They ran, Marine, the, the Marines run towards the, the danger. Everyone else runs away. And the police didn't hesitate to jump and just go get those guys. Uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, they got a lot of rounds off and many couple of the uh, couple of people are in uh, critical condition. But uh, I I just love to see more information on this. I think we as a country are looking standing by going, what's going on? How did this happen? Well, an event like that, you're not going to have metal detectors, unfortunately, but just the gun laws in this country. I mean, we, you know, you hear all about that, and maybe that would have maybe prevented it. But if people are going to take these actions for whatever the reasons are, um, they're going to do it. They're going to find a way because it hasn't slowed down. It hasn't stopped. And uh, I, I mean, it just it's just so sad for that many people to feel the effects of it who got shot at, including the lady DJ, as you mentioned, uh, Lopez, and uh, her son as well. It's just... Again, it's supposed to be the best day of the year after winning the Super Bowl. Right. You're celebrating yeah. something like that, right? And to have this negative outlook uh, as, uh, aspect of it afterwards, really sad. Well, it's 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 not just the people who were shot; it's the people who were there. It's the mother jumping on her daughter, uh, trying you know covering her up because she thinks that you know she's trying to save her life. It's people who heard that and started running. I mean, all the children that were at the parade. There was no school yesterday in kansas city in celebration of this parade so it was like hey school's out everyone enjoy the parade and that's what i don't you know there's gonna be a lot of counseling needed uh in that town now taylor swift was asked not to attend the uh parade so she decided to go over to australia where she's got a concert coming up and uh that was a good thing the authorities say that uh, it would have been even more nuts and more dense of a crowd if Taylor Swift actually showed up in this parade. So you could say, in a way, by Swift not being there, could have saved more lives. Well, the, maybe. maybe. I mean, you only, only lost. I'm not that you what only the lost. What, what the yeah. authorities are yeah. saying. I'm just repeating what they're saying, Gary. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We're mad. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm not getting mad. I'm just saying it's not. It wasn't. A, it wasn't an opinion that was uh, that was given. It was a. Uh, at least it was in a fact. It was reported by uh, authorities in Kansas City, and they're thankful that she didn't show up. Yeah, that's there were more. Pe- there would have been more people there, obviously. Yes, that's and, what I just you know, said. There was one lady story, and I was reading some of the details last night. There was one lady who fell as she was running away, and then she said, "I, I thought I was just fair game. I thought I was going to die." I couldn't get up, and then somebody dragged me away into cover. Some people ran away and ended up in a restaurant where all the Chiefs players were. And they huddled up with some of the players and coaches and Andy Reid and stuff like that. But people just trying to escape something like that. I guess also some of the things I saw, Chris, was that it happened when the parade was over and the Chiefs were on their way to Arrowhead Stadium. Imagine if it happened in the thick of the parade. Uh, you know, maybe some people had already left the area. And again, when you have that many people shot, that's incredible. It's so well, sad. Yeah. But if they you left at- the stage. They left the stage. As I said, they're going the to Arrowhead Stadium. The, the, the parade right. they, was ending they, when, they, when right. this happened. So well, again, no, no, no. After the parade, they go on the stage, and then they say, hey, we'll get them next year. And Travis Kelsey says, you got to fight for your right to party. And then they were walking off. They just walked off, and it happened. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. So just, I mean, you hear these stories, and it's just, 
Again, an offense like this, you don't. Again, you shouldn't expect it at something like this. Yeah. But nothing, I guess, should surprise us anymore. Well, so. that's that's this country, and you, you can bring up gun control and all that kind of stuff you want. I don't know either way. I don't know what what feeling I have against gun control because the people who want guns to be legalized say it's people that kill people, not guns that kill people. I don't know. All I know is in this country so far, you've had forty eight mass killings in forty five days. All right. Uh, mass killing is, and they had one later that day at some high school. Four people were shot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so it, it's a, a mass killing is is defined as four or more people shot in one instance, and it goes on every single day, if not twice a day, in the United States of America. You can Google this. Go look how many, often it happens in other countries. Most none. Yeah, I think the most violent country besides us was like four times. So you talk about the savages in the Middle East and all of this stuff. Look at us. What's wrong with America? Well, what's laws. wrong with this country? That uh, what's wrong with this country where you know people get upset, they get their feelings hurt. So I'm going to go buy a gun and shoot a bunch of people. That's that's a, God bless America. My goodness. And I guess the thought would be if you had stricter gun laws or a background check, it would prevent some of these people from just going out well, and buying Well, they have background checks when you buy a gun. But there are some places where they don't. If, you, you're, if you're qualified, well, yeah. you don't have to do that. <laughs> that's what they're trying to make it a, a federal law, I guess. And it's been It on- is a federal law to have back check. You're saying you're buying a gun on the street. If you're going to a store, they all have they all have gun laws. I mean, they all have. The no, I don't think every state does. Because that's what I was just reading again last night that they, they said this one law has been on the table for like over a year, uh-huh. and I guess Congress has not approved it. And I even heard it on, on our station last night talking about it, where they're saying that you know because they want to they want the gun lobbyists, I guess, are giving so much money that some of the politicians right. aren't going to vote it as a as a back. You need that you need a background check. I know there are certain states that don't require it. I wonder it. how many I wonder how many states don't require it because most maybe it's state laws. Cuz even at gun shows, you they have, you know, forms you fill out for a background check if you want to buy a gun. But you've seen some of these shootings lately in the last year where the people who committed these acts, if there was a background check, they never been able to legally purchase a gun. And that's been Perhaps. stated a few times, right? So I, I'm I'm eager to find out more details and more of the story behind this thing. And I I would hate to think, and it's probably true. I mean, you know, whatever the motive was, it was like you're carrying a rifle. You're carrying a rifle to a parade. You got to beef with somebody. That's what they seem to think it might be. Right, right. It's not the official report, but really, let me just start shooting a bunch of people. Oh, some kids are in the way. Shoot them. That's crazy. That's it. Hey, that's the world we live in. Hug, hug your loved ones today, man. You never know what's going to happen. Exactly. All right. 16 minutes after the hour here with the animals on ESPN Honolulu. Call the coach with Iran Ganat. That's coming up Monday, holiday Monday at Ruby Tuesday, Moana Lua. It's going to be good fun. 6.30 p.m. is the start time. We'll get into the Rainbow Wahine and Rainbow Warrior basketball games coming up next on ESPN Honolulu. Haunted by those graceful years We were young and life was sharp and clear Alright, we're going to get ready for the uh, UH uh, Rainbow and Wahine games Coming up in a few minutes here on ESPN Honolulu Keep listening, we got baseball tickets to give away The weekend series kicks off tomorrow University of Hawaii Rainbow Warriors 
take on Ole Miss. And joining us now to talk about the season and the series tomorrow, the University of Hawaii baseball coach, Rich Hill on the show. Coach, thank you so much for joining us today. I imagine today is kind of like Christmas Eve for you. <laughs> Aloha and good morning to you guys. Uh, yes, it, it is. You know, uh, we talk about with our players, you know, the practice is my time. You know, it's the coach's time. And then uh, that game day. That's the day where, you know, they, they get to jump off the cliff. They get to jump off the rock at Waimea, <laughs> into the ocean, and it's their time. You know, they step forward, and uh, it's their day. It's their weekend. And, uh, yeah, man, we're looking forward to this. I love it when any sports season starts, and I've said this numerous times this week and over the years, but there's something about baseball that is even more exciting at the start of the season. Why do you think that is? You know, I'm not really sure. I just think it's the tradition. It's the national pastime. You know, they put, uh, you know, all the flags. I think they call it the bunting, whatever, um, out in, in Major League Parks. Uh, it's just, you know, been a tradition, I think. Uh, all those day games, you know, for all of those years, uh, Gary, you know, across the country, people, you know, play, the kids play hooky, the you know, everybody calls in sick and they get to the yep. ballpark, you know, and uh, and watch their favorite team. And, and it's springtime, you know, and it's warm weather. And uh, it's just something about baseball, you know, something about opening day with baseball. I can't really put your finger on it. It's one of those uh, mystical kind of things that's, you know, kind of go, coincides with the sport of baseball. It's pretty awesome. Definitely, definitely does. And you mentioned tradition. You guys are going to be starting a new tradition tomorrow night, and it's going to be called Tropical Turnup. I think this is a pretty cool idea. Can you maybe tell our listeners a little bit about what that will be? My son Robbie came up with it. With it, uh, you know, he's in this sports industry and he's a marketer. And he said, "What about this?" You know, and <clears throat> Fridays, you know, before the game, uh, you know, where there's a section, you know, where we call it the tropical turn up. There's a DJ. There's food, and uh, just getting everybody, you know, hyped for the weekend. A and uh, for that Friday night game. So. Uh, just another reason, you know, to uh, to get there early, to get to Les Murakami Stadium, which is the premier venue, in my opinion, in college baseball. Um, but yeah, man, it's just another another way to have some fun, man. Another way to to uh, to get it all started with the turn up. Hawaii baseball coach Rich Hill joining the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. It's also going to be interesting for the tropical turn-up at the Les tomorrow night. Throwing out the first pitch, and I would not have guessed this name in a million years, but Todd Gurley, formerly with the L.A. Rams and Atlanta Falcons, will be throwing out the first pitch tomorrow night. Yeah, that's going to be pretty cool. You know, um, I got a call from the Outrigger people, and, uh, you know, they said, hey, would you mind, you know, um, uh, this guy's, uh, you know, a friend of ours, and, We'd love to have him out, and I'm like, yeah, man, that'd be that'd be sweet. So, uh, you know, it's it's great for our fans to, you know, be able to see, uh, you know, a former NFL player, um, who's you know got this great reputation and who was who was a star throughout the first pitch. That's going to be pretty fun. Now, you also have a really cool opponent coming in in Ole Miss, who won the College World Series a couple of years ago. What do you know about Ole Miss so far for this season, as far as their outlook and prospects? Premier SEC team won a national championship months ago, you know, uh, 2022. Um, just an elite program uh, with an elite coach. You know, Mike Bianco has a storied career. Uh, and they've just been, you know, kind of at the top of college baseball. They're just in that discussion every year, you know, for national championships. Uh, Swayze Field there is just one of the premier 
um, you know, venues along with Les Murakami Stadium. They pack the house. They're up. I mean, it's on and on and on, right? Athletes everywhere, Gary. Arms everywhere, you know. So uh, physical bodies, they love to grip it and rip it up at the plate and uh, try to throw it by you. The guy we're seeing uh, tomorrow night is, uh, he, he's a future big leaguer, Quinn. I mean, it's just, it's just a power slider um, and a, an electric fastball. He can run it up to 95. Wow. Well, it's going to be fun to watch him. I and we did hear yesterday, Coach, that Harrison Bodendorf will be the starting pitcher for Friday night. What about the rest of the weekend? Do you know yet who will be starting? <clears throat> Randall Abshire, the third, will be uh, starting game one on Saturday. And that's it. And that's TBA, TBA. You know how we do it. Uh, it's, uh, every game's a playoff in college baseball. You know, when you, when you get down to it, the NCAA tournament, and that's what we're here to do. Um, RPI is just the king of this thing. So, hey, you know, as Tommy Lasorda used to say, it may rain tomorrow, you know. So we're going to play the <laughs> infield in. We're going to use our closer early. And uh, worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. So the, the game three and four starters, they're in the bullpen, you know, ready to go. And uh, if we got a chance to win, we're going to do it. You guys finished the season so strong last year, winning the last nine in a row at home, as we all remember. Hopefully that'll carry over this year. We know there's a lot of good returning talent coming back, but I want to ask you about some of the new players that hopefully we'll get accustomed to and familiar with starting this weekend. Well, hey, we're stoked that, you know, we're the, it's the fifth, longest uh, home winning streak uh, in all of college baseball across the country, you know, and that's a tribute to our fans. It's a tribute to how hard it is to play here at the Les. We need everybody there. I don't want to have, you know, Ole Miss, you know, have more fans, you know, than us. You know, I'm a Charger fan, and, I mean, there used to be more Raiders fans in San Diego. <laughs> so that's not going to happen. But the that being said, the new guys, hey, Elijah Ikes stands out. Local boy, Kamehameha, uh, you know, the, the Hawaii State Player of the Year. Uh, he, he just, he improves. I mean, daily you can see this this guy. It's Suki Takamoto, you know, uh, one of the premier players in Japan. Uh, you'll see him this weekend on the mound. Uh, there's a reality TV, not a reality TV show, but they've been following him for a week, you know, over here. Uh, so a, a lot of new exciting faces. Jake Sukata from the portal, Punahou boy. Uh, you know he'll be out there, and uh, and a couple other guys that that uh, really will add to this year's uh, version of Rainbow Warrior baseball. Kind of a new coaching staff beside yourself. You've got a lot of talent, a lot of former head coaches, but a new staff this year for you as well. Absolutely. We're stoked on that, too. You know, I mean, it's Alabama football, New England Patriots football. You have quality people in your organization. Uh, they get plucked, you know, and uh, that's exactly what happened. The Milwaukee Brewers recognized Dallas Correa, you know, just an unbelievable talent. Loyola Marymount University got Matt Troop. Uh, one of our ops guys, Freddie Smith, is, you know, now in uh, at Georgia State. So the fact that we were able to bring in uh, a guy like Keaton Zuniga, you know, um, as our pitching coach, has really elevated our pitchers from a standpoint of development. Uh, this guy's, you know, really, really good with the data, with the analytics, the numbers, the percentages, um, all of the video stuff. You know, he's kind of that new age pitching coach, you know, and uh, our players have really, really adapted to that. And then Lindsey Meggs, you know, that, that might be the most impactful 
member of our of our coaching staff. This guy took a team to Omaha with the University of Washington. He's a former Pac-12 <clears throat> Coach of the Year, two-time national champion at Chico State, and uh, I wrangled him out of retirement <laughs> and uh, got him in here. And and it, I mean, I'm telling you, Gary, every day with this guy, it, it's like a clinic out there, and the stuff that we're doing, the baseball knowledge. I mean, it's like, you know, Casey Stengel is out at our field every day. So pretty amazing for our young people. That is quite a lot of praise that you mentioned, that Casey Stengel comparison right there. Tomorrow night, Lesmer Comic Stadium is the place to be. A tropical turnip, get there early, get some autographs, fun DJs there. Coach, nothing like baseball starting. We can't wait for the season to start tomorrow night. Good luck this weekend and, of course, throughout the season as well. Love being on with you guys. Okay. (laughs) Thank you, Coach. And that is Coach Rich Hill joining us on ESPN Honolulu. We'll have, of course, all of the games here on our stations. And tomorrow night, first pitch about 635 at Les Murakami Stadium against Ole Miss. All right, Ole Miss. Yeah, who wants to go? We've got tickets for you. Call in right now. Be caller number four at 808-296-1420. A pair of tickets for each game this weekend. If you can't go to them all, share them with a friend. Uh, we'll get our winner coming up next. Right now, our bulletin board brought to you by Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union. Life matters. Uh, the Blood Bank of Hawaii urgently needs your help. And uh, they've got to, especially here and on the Big Island as well, uh, you, they urgently need O and A negative type donors. And you can register. There's all kinds of convenient locations all around the islands to give. Uh, you can donate today at bbh.org. That's bbh.org. We'll be right back with our winner on ESPN Honolulu. Hope you're having a great morning so far. It's going to be cloudy today. We've got a few showers here and there, possibly. Winds are out of the north today at 5 to 15. High in the mid-70s. Now, whatever the high, when it says high in the mid-70s, if it's a high of 75, that means a high of maybe 78, 79, depending on where you live. Right. But uh, in town, a high of 75 today. So I guess this is that cool front uh, that they were talking about. Huge surf. Not sure how surfable it is. But huge surf today on the North Shore, too. So if you're out there, be careful. If you're out watching it, uh, just be careful out there. Congratulations, Sean out in Hawaii Kai. Won the baseball tickets uh, for opening weekend for Rainbow Warrior Baseball. Well, don't look now, but in a few hours, we've got Rainbow Men's Basketball this afternoon. And then tonight at the Stan Sheriff Center, the Rainbow Wahine Basketball Team is taking on Cal Poly. And I'm thankful for the article written by Billy Hull today in the Honolulu Star Advertiser because with this whole Beeman's Big Bash thing, trying to set an attendance record on Saturday, let's not, let's not look, let's focus on today first before Saturday comes. Well, for the I team, mean, yeah. if you want a Beeman, if you want a Beeman's Big Bash, 
Let's make sure we don't lose two in a row heading into the Big Bash, or you're not going to have a Big Bash. Ooh. <laughs> you're not going to. You're, gonna, you're trying to set a record coming off of two losses? You know how Hawaii fans are. Come on. Good point. Good point. And, I mean, obviously these things have to be planned in advance. But you're right. Tonight, Tonight's game is critical, and it's against a team that is a lot different than the men's version for the Big West and Cal Poly. This is a team that Hawaii beat by four, 63-59 last month at Poly. They're one of the top five teams in the conference almost on a yearly basis. So it's it's not going to be easy for the University of Hawaii. I, I have to look at their record, but I don't know. I don't. I know they haven't lost two in a row in conference, and they Who? Pop, Hawaii. So I mean, Hawaii, coming, has not, Hawaii lost two in a row uh, in back in November. Yeah, against Stanford and Santa Clara. That's yeah, so all. Stanford's a little different, but not in conference. So I would, I would think that'll no. hopefully you know no. bode well. They're We're nine and back. three from January. Nine yeah. and three in, from January to now. Yeah, so nine and three they haven't record. lost two in a row. So hopefully they'll bounce back after any loss and have a win. You'll have the home crowd there. And even though tonight's not the record-setting crowd that they're hoping for, like Saturday, I think there'll be a really good crowd as we've seen the numbers really increase. Every game has gotten more and more fans. Only four home games left. They had almost 1,600 for the last game a few Saturdays ago. So I would think there'll be a good crowd. And as Lord Beeman told us yesterday, the players notice it. They came off the court after that Irvine game and said, wow, this is fun. What a great atmosphere. So it does make a difference when you have those kind of numbers showing up. And maybe that's not a big amount to some, but compared to what they normally would get in conference, which is probably under 1,000, 600 normally, to get 1,500 and have the crowd increase. And as Coach told us, it's not only the numbers that are getting higher, but the intensity, the atmosphere they create. And you can right. hear it on the radio broadcast with Dave Kawada and Callan Spiller. Um, the atmosphere is really, really cool. I've only been to a few games this year, but it is getting better and better. The product is really good. Uh, this team plays so hard. There's so much talent, and the fans are really noticing and showing up, and that's great to see. You know, in the Big West, if you look at the Big West standings, and the, uh, Coach Beeman has mentioned, you know, there's a big uh, – uh, it's uh, one, two, three, four, five. Five teams are – um, you know, contending for first place in the Big West Conference. Got two teams at 10 and 3, three teams at 9 and 4, Cal Poly, by the way, one of them. So that you're, you're bunched up in the top of the standings, as opposed to the men's, where everyone's bunched up in the middle and at the end. It makes it much more competitive and much more interesting in Big West basketball on the women's side. This is a very, this is a very interesting team to watch. Because of as all the different personalities and all the different styles, the grit that the men have been showing, and I don't mean to compare, but a lot of people are just, you know, following men's basketball and they don't follow women's basketball. And I'm telling you what, if you do, you're going to be really pleased because if you're happy with the grit, there's that word again, that the men showed the last couple of games, well, the Rainbow Wahine have been doing that all year long. They have, and they've been getting better and better. And like you talk about the product and the different styles, for example, we know how really good Lily Wahini Kapu is. And now her scoring numbers are increasing, where she does so many other things on the court, as Coach told us yesterday, and you can see that or hear that when you watch or listen to the game. But one player she mentioned yesterday I thought was interesting in how she said about Imani Perez that she thinks she could be a pro player. Uh, this, this, this lady is playing so well, and she's only a sophomore. And she really finished last season off strong. And look what she's done this year. 
And she well, she's very versatile where she's not just a post player. She can score mid-range jumpers. She can hit the threes. She's getting better and better. And you'd love to see that improvement and development of a player. And, again, she's still so young. Right. She's 6'4". So that's one of the reasons you're talking about playing professionally, right? If you're seven feet tall, it's, there's so many guys, and you've told me this before, it's, you know, uh, some of the guys that aren't very good players, they're, they're playing professional ball in Europe because they're seven feet tall. Now, I'm not saying that about Imani. I'm not saying she's not uh, talented because we've seen her play, and her skill is only going to get better. Now, I'm curious. You said this two days in a row. They keep getting better and better. Look at this team and what they've been, how they've been playing. Okay, in the, in what are the, you basing it on, though? I'm basing it on watching them play and seeing how yeah. they're playing in certain areas that are improving. I'll give you one example. Uh, turnovers. Turnovers are a lot less overall, and I don't even have the number, but I, can, I, don't, I don't need the number because I watch that and I look at that every single game where they're not getting 15, 25 turnovers, which is sometimes the norm in women's basketball for certain teams. They've been doing a better job. Their one area I think they do got to get better in is three-point shooting. They've had a couple of games where they've struggled for three-pointers. But other than that, they're shooting pretty well. They're defending really well. I mean, they've had a number of games where they've held the opponent under 50 points or even 52 points, I think, was one of the numbers they got. And Laura Beeman is just so proud of her team playing defense. I think the experience has shown, too, where you see uh, players like Lily, like Kelsey Emai, Ashley Toms, and some of the others. They've been through this so many times. I don't think they get rattled. And I think they've been able to face adversity and come back injured players. Okay, next player up. You know, playing on the road, no problem. We're going to win on the road. And I think they've shown in so many different areas that they are improving. A player like Imani Perez, look at her improvement from how she ended last year, which was really good, and how she is right now. So that's what I mean about getting better and better. This team seems like they're peaking. I don't think they have a weakness right now. And, I, and I'm not trying to be biased in any way. Just when you watch this team play, wow, they're a complete basketball team. You don't always see that. You, you'll have any team. Look at, look at Irvine in men's basketball. They had a really bad loss last week. I forget who they lost to right now, but it was surprising. You'll have that in almost any league. You know, it's hard to maintain that level of play for a whole conference season. And Rain, the Rainbow Wahine at 10-3 and three have had a little bit of a struggle here and there, but very little. But they've been playing such great basketball. And, again, hard to win on the road. Doesn't matter who they're playing. They've been playing really well. When you see them play the top teams in the conference, uh, I mean, they're just outstanding. And I, I do see the improvement basically week in, week out. Yeah. I mean, three-point – one thing and you talk about their three-point uh, field goal percentage isn't the greatest. But then, again, their three-point defense – is towards the top. Yeah, their defense overall has been really, really good. Uh, again, maybe that would be the only thing, but that, as far as three-point shooting for them, that's something they could improve in. But I think also from watching and listening that they don't seem to force a ton. And that's one thing I hate when I watch college teams. Sometimes they'll settle for threes because it's an easier shot to get off and for whatever other reasons, but you're not hitting them and you're still shooting them. This team seems a little bit more selective. And for players yeah. like Melani McBee, who's one of the three-point specialists, you know, she's had a couple of games where she's been incredible with her three-point shooting. She's had a couple of games where she struggled. But even in well, those games, she's done other things to help the team win. Right, right. And, and there's games where she hasn't taken a bunch of three-point shots, and she's driven to the basket. Uh, and uh, she's played great defense in all of the games. I mentioned that yesterday when we were talking to Coach Beeman is, you know, people think of her as this, you know, Stand on the outside, cherry picking three point shooter. Not Milani McBee. No way. So yeah. there's games because I've seen all the games and they're not. They're not. It's not like she's. Um, 
if it's not working, she can she can go to the basket too, just like Juan Munoz, right? Yeah, good 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 comparison. And remember, they've been doing this without their starting center for about a month now. Brooklyn Rewers. Uh, we don't know the status of her right now, but she hasn't played in a while. And I'll say this name again: Deja Phillips. I mean, she's got to be first you team all big. You can't talk about. Take my favorite player name out your mouth. You can't bring her up like you're discovering her. She's my favorite. I'm going to take a selfie with her. Well, I mentioned her last year when you weren't away. Who's that again, Gary? Uh, I'm oh, just yeah, I'm just right. She, But she, I mean, coming off the bench and doing what she's doing, I believe she still leads the team in scoring with 9.8 a game. Uh, and just the defense, the Actually, rebounding. Uh, Lily, Lily's the leading score. At how many a game do you know? 10.8. Okay. They've got, they've got, I mean, Deja's up there. I, I, I get okay. what you're saying. I just hope folks know. She, she's just an incredible player. To have a sixth player come off the bench and play like that, and we've heard, as you've mentioned numerous times, how she asked to come off the bench. It refers it, but the, the, what she brings to this team, I mean, we, I just mentioned five names, basically, that are outstanding players on this team and could be should be recognized all-conference on one team or another. That's how good this team is, and they've got some depth. They've got everything going for them. It's yeah. almost like, you know, like there's nowhere to go but up, I guess. Well, nowhere to go but down because they're expected to win again, even though some of these teams like Irvine are going to give them a tough game, obviously. And Santa Barbara did beat them uh, at Santa Barbara last month, and that was the team Hawaii beat for the Big West Championship last year with Deja Phillips' three-point play late in that game. Uh, it's not going to be easy, but I they've got to be the favorite. And this is just a great product to see where – what I like about it, it's not just a one-month stretch or a home homestand stretch or a one-year stretch. This team has been really doing well for three years okay. in a row. Let's go back to uh, coming up this weekend. So what's ex- what makes Wahine basketball so exciting is not only the team and the players and everything that you talked about, but also that every because there's a because you're bunched up at the top of the standings. Most games are a heavyweight fight, right? Yeah. It's not. It's not like okay, we're playing Riverside, or you know, maybe the rest of the uh, Big West is going. Hey, we got a little break. Hawaii is coming up on the schedule, yeah. right? I mean, this is this is. Hey, you know what? You got half the teams, half a game out of first place. You got half the teams in the Big West. So no matter where you look in the Big West, there's a couple of heavyweight fights on Thursdays and Saturday nights. That's what makes this a really exciting time for Rainbow Wahine basketball. It's 748 with the Sports Animals, and uh, we invite you to the Craig Angeles Show coming up Tuesday at Velocity Honolulu, 6 p.m. with Kanoa Leahy and the gang. Join us at Velocity on the corner of Ward and Kapiolani, and it's brought to you by the JN Group and H-Camp. We'll be right back. We're going to talk with Captain Fun about all the things going on this weekend for Rainbow Wahine and Rainbow Warrior Sports. One of the things we're uh, set to talk about is uh, the spring game for University of Hawaii football is uh, coming up Sunday, February 25th at 5 o'clock. Gates will open at 4. Admission is free. Uh, your parking is your regular uh, parking fee of $7. And uh, just remember, 
that red means go and green means stop. And uh, they're going to have a live DJ. Who is this live DJ? He's getting a lot of work lately at <laughs> yeah, all these events. It seems that way. Well, people have been asking for that over the last year or two. We saw the Clippers bring their DJ and have that atmosphere. We had it on senior night for the men's game last year, and I thought it went over pretty well. So I'm glad they're doing things like that. Right. So who is that? Doesn't that's not my answer? My question: Who is this live DJ? I don't know. I'm we saying can ask. He's, we can ask Eric. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, he's got to have a cool name like DJ uh, Dougie Doug or something like that, right? Yeah, you would think, or Hope. DJ Snazzy Boy. Yeah, some kind of cool DJ name like that. Did you have a, t- a DJ name? Besides, I mean, Yeah, it- Chris Hart. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? Is there any kind of nickname, though? Yeah, Chris Hart. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a, like fake DJ name, Chris Hart. <laughs> <laughs> They've got how many food trucks will be there? These are the things that people are going to want to know. And they're going to have an autograph session at the football game. Uh, it's very, very cool. I wonder what the format of the game will be. Yeah, we just heard the announcement that there will be a game yesterday, so hopefully more information will be coming out soon. And if people are wondering, as I did initially for about 10 seconds, why is it on a Sunday? Well, you've got volleyball, you've got women or men's basketball, and baseball going on basically every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday for the next month, so Sunday's the open spot. You don't want to conflict with other sports when you're having Well, those. and it's early on a Sunday. It's a 5 yeah, o'clock. Yeah. You know, I'm sure it'll be done by the, the games. The game isn't going to be a three-hour football game, no. so that's not what it is. It's just kind of an exhibition for all the guys, a kind of a reward at the end of uh, camp. The guys get in, a final last look. Get a bunch of stuff on film for the coaches, and they'll like, take that into, uh, you know, into the offseason, well, into the summer and get you ready for fall camp. So it's a, actually a great day for great opportunities uh, for uh, the players. Somebody texted in a radio DJ name for you, Chris the Hitman Hart, and that's from Eddie. Yeah, somebody brought that up years ago, and uh, there was, there's been a bunch of uh, ones. But thank you, Eddie. Uh, no, Hart is fake enough. All right, uh, <laughs> top things you need to know in sports coming up next, and Captain Fun on ESPN Honolulu. Oh, want to remind you, uh, coming up, we uh, mentioned this uh, earlier this week, but uh, you can catch the very first ever, the very first ever, the first, the very first, yeah, ever, (laughs) Shamanad Baseball broadcast on our sister station, CBS 1500. That's your new home for Shamanad Athletics. Uh, Shamanad taking on Hilo. It's coming up Sunday from Central Oahu Regional Park. Game starts about 2.45. That's on CBS 1500, or you can listen in on the Sideline Hawaii app. Hope you're having a great morning. Captain Fun's going to join us in a few minutes. We'll get the scoops on what's going on uh, for you folks headed up to campus for the games this weekend. That's on the way here on ESPN Honolulu. 
uh, really uh, top stories we're following this morning. It starts with, of course, a sad mass shooting at Kansas City for the Chiefs, uh, their uh, Super Bowl victory parade. No new information, but we'll keep you updated here at the radio station as it comes in. Yeah, ESPN reporting about 30, 40 minutes ago, kind of what we heard earlier yesterday as well, is that it uh, involving a dispute between some of the partiers at the parade, but no further details on that. Hopefully no further injuries as far as the severity of some of the people we heard that are still in hospitals yesterday. Right. Pray for the, especially the kids right. uh, that uh, and their families. So many people affected, not just the people who were shot, but, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of people who were there, uh, you know, running for their lives. All right, we move on. The OIA champs in the IO, uh, OIA, IOA, the IOA in the OIA. Congratulations to the Bulldogs and the Muse. That's right. The Kabuki Bulldogs and Lelehua Mules are champions. Yeah, I'm glad to see maybe some new teams at the top. I mean, we usually have the usual suspects, usually out of the ILH as well. But for Lelehua, it's great to see them in the state tournament A and to get a bye in the first round by winning the OIA championship. Pretty cool for them. Right, but hasn't Kaimuki won two out of the last three OIA championships? Well, they're in D2, but I'm talking about... Well, that's what I'm talking I'm talking about both of these. Well, I, I, oh, no, you're I'm only t- talking about D1. I'm talking about for Lele Hua for their for their chances, you know, to get to the spot and everything. <laughs> All right. Uh, the, so the uh, D1 bracket is set for the Heidi and Cook HHSAA Boys Basketball State Championships. Your seeding goes like this: Number one, St. Louis. Number two, Lele Hua. Number three, Kamehameha Hawaii, and number four, Baldwin. On the first day, Monday, February 19th, coming up Monday, Punahou taking on Kailua in a first-round matchup. Boy, that's going that, to—that's either one of those teams could win the state championship. If you would have seen a Punahou-Kailua state championship game, you would have thought, no surprise, those two teams have been ranked near the top all season long. So to have them play in the first round, you feel bad for the loser, but that'll be the toughest battle out of those four games on day one for sure. Oh, all right, we've got, uh, let's see, it's game day for the Rainbow Warrior basketball team. Josh Pacheco with the call. What time is that uh, game coming up? Well, we, the game is at 5. We'll have Rainbow Warrior countdown, myself and Derek Lowe at 4 p.m. today. And the Rainbow Wahine are uh, playing tonight. Both teams against Cal Poly. Rainbow Wahine are at the Stan Sheriff Center, and we're going to get ready for uh, all of that. Also, Rainbow Baseball kicks off starting tomorrow. Yeah, so we got the beginning of the season against the team that won the national championship in Ole Miss two years ago. Still, as Rich Hill told us last hour, they've got a ton of talent and some major league talent, especially with the starting pitcher, J.T. Quinn, tomorrow night. All right, we've been talking a lot about the Rainbow Wahine basketball team. Derek Lowe joins us in 15 minutes as we get into the men's matchup tonight. But right now, with all that's going on on campus, we bring on the uh, marketing guy from the University of Hawaii, Eric Matthews, better known as Captain Fun. Ahoy, Ahoy fellas. How are we? Good. I, I like Captain Fun better than the marketing guy, but thanks for joining us, Eric. I know how busy you must be. Well, let's talk about the basketball games coming up. And before we talk about Saturday, as Chris has brought up a few times, great point. Tonight's game is going to be really critical, a crucial game for Hawaii, tied for first place against Cal Poly. I imagine they're going to have some great things going on tonight and probably a great turnout. 
I believe you're right on that one about the turnout. And we do have some cool stuff going on tonight. We, it's our annual peak game. So we have that um, going forward. And we're happy to have Hawaii Pacific Health partner with us to kind of help with that initiative as our teams will be wearing pink. And we have shirts for fans as they come in through Gate A today. And we're going to be throwing out T-shirts and pink shirts to our student crowd tonight. So we're pretty excited about that. But at the same time, I do have something I want to ask both of you, and I want to see if uh, what my response is on this. If you guys have a you know a quick second, we do. I want to formally invite you both to Beavis Big Bash. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. You guys hadn't had an invite yet, as I was saving it. <laughs> I want to know if you guys are available, and I want to formally invite you to Beavis Big Bash to have the sports animals there. And then have a good time. I don't think, and I don't mean to call you guys out, I don't think I've seen either one of you at a women's basketball game yet this year, and I won't change that. I have been to a few. I've been to a few early on in like November and December. Chris, I want you there. It's my granddaughter's first birthday party. You will not see me there. Sorry. Blame but you have a blast. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's uh, uh, we appreciate that. What we'd like to be invited to is those events where they have food. We never get invited to those. <laughs> well, they have food on Saturday. Well, free food. That, oh, free I, food. I, I, <laughs> well, well, speaking of that, I know neither one of you are students at UH, but at the same time, that's something we could pass along here, is Coach Beeman is footing the bill for 500 students. To get fed at Beeman's Big Bash on Saturday, she is taking care of a hot dog and a soda for every student that comes through Gate B on Saturday because we want a big turnout. We are going for a record here, fellas. And I know it's not free food for you guys, but free food for a very ruckus crowd. So I'm hoping <laughs> we can get some students there too on Saturday. Now, when you say students, you mean any kind of student or UH students? UH students. Okay, for UH students. Okay. Uh, very good. But uh, it's kind of a cool on Saturday night is uh, kids are free as well, right? That's every women's basketball game, fellas. Every oh, women's nice. basketball game, kids are kids are free, 18 and under. But we actually have a couple of different groups that are going to join us Saturday night that we're excited to have there. The Hawaii Hoops Academy is coming in. They're bringing a large crowd with them. And they're actually going to play a intermission or a um, – a scrimmage at halftime of our women's basketball game on Saturday. We're excited to have um, two teams of uh, 10, 11-year-olds playing on our whole floor and having a good time and really doing some cool stuff. So, I mean, we're really trying to do a lot of different things to get more kids in here, a lot of them being free. We're doing a lot of different stuff. All concession stands are going to be open for women's basketball on Saturday because we're expecting that big crowd. We're going to do a lot of different stuff that maybe – if you went to a women's game before, you kind of like, well, why did they have this? I saw this at a, at a men's volleyball game. We're changing that. We're going to do our best to accommodate a big crowd on Saturday and do some cool stuff and make sure that you're all taken care of. You you failed to mention DJ Wizard. That's my boy. DJ Wizard going to be in the house making a fun night for all of us. We had him at the beginning of the year, at the start of the season, but we haven't had a chance to get him back until now. And DJ Wizard is going to be with us all night long. It's not just a pregame. It's all game long. He's going to be having some fun with us and create a cool environment. It's something that we try to add into our game day experience uh, periodically throughout. 
this year we did a little bit with women's volleyball. We did a, a little bit with uh, both basketballs at the beginning of the season. We're going to do it more and more now with DJ Wizard because every time he comes in, he brings the fun with him. Ah, that's great. Tell us about these special jerseys the ladies will be wearing. I can't go into great detail just yet. We're unveiling them tonight at the game. So if you're going to watch them play against Cal Poly, you'll see the jerseys for the very first time. What I will tell you, though, is they are a one-time jersey that we are going to wear. And then after, uh, after the weekend, we're actually going to put them up for auction for fans to be able to bid and be able to buy a piece of authentic team apparel that was worn on the floor. They're called Hawaiian Knights. They are dedicated as kind of a city connect jersey, kind of what the NBA does, MLB does, that's specialized. And once we get done playing with them on Saturday, they're up for auction they're for anybody in the entire world to bid for. And we're putting them out there. We have a couple of their partner websites that you can find them on. And they'll be on auction for about 48 hours, and fans can get an actual piece of Hawaii basketball history. All right, so what we're looking for is a, a Saturday night. Uh, now, it doesn't mean don't go tonight, but for Saturday night, looking to break the attendance, uh, Beeman's attendance record of 4340. So we need 4,341 people to go. I know it's early this morning, but do you have a latest count for us ticket-wise? The last I checked with the ticket office, we were around 3,400 tickets issued. Now, here's the kicker, is that's what's issued. Women's basketball is known for having a good walk-up crowd, especially when things are going well in this time of the year when Coach Beeman has a team cruising. So I'm not hung up on that, that issued one. That's why I'm like going, okay, kids are free. It's general admission. It's $7 tickets. It's the best value for families across this entire island to take the entire family to. I have a feeling we're going to have a pretty good walk-up on Saturday, if not only tonight. So that issued at 3400 I feel pretty good about where we're heading. But at the same time, I'm sitting there going, there might be more that uh, we're not accounting for right now that I'm pretty excited about. Yeah, that's a great uh, – that's a great um – observation about that since the kids are free you're not going to need to buy tickets right i mean they don't need to buy tickets so there may be a thousand kids that are going that you can add on top of that and if most of those people show up then heck there's your record but hey you know what let's go for ten thousand. why not heck let's go for 4300 tonight let's try that that'll be awesome i mean, there's a th- I mean Chris, go ahead. that's a thing man and is this team is back-to-back champions. This team wins. This program wins. The last 11 years you've seen Coach Beeman here, she wins. She goes into the tournament. She brings home trophies. I mean, if you want to support a winning program, if you really want to get around a team of good people that do things the right way and represent Hawaii, this is one of our programs that's the top of the list that you should be going out and watching. And like you said, I mentioned a second ago, Value for family. This is the best ticket in the entire island that you can go to as a family that's going to be easy on your wallet. And we're proud of that. And we want to keep pushing that out there. And that this is where we want families to be at because we are doing things to help families. All right. Uh, I don't want to overload people with information. We had uh, Coach Hill on talking about the opening weekend for baseball. We'll keep reminding people about that. But I want to uh, see if you could uh, – Give us uh, any kind of information on the spring football game coming up Sunday, February 25th on campus. Admission is free. 
That's a big one. Admission mm-hmm. is free. Parking is only $7. Uh, gates open at 4 o'clock. It's in kind of that same timeline of when baseball may be ending that day and then carrying over into the spring game. So, you know, people can kind of double dip as they go. Oh. Go baseball, they come over and watch the spring game. So we're trying that strategy with it. We're thinking fans are going to be a big fan of that. We've kind of noticed a lot of our baseball fans are also football fans. So we kind of played into that. And then gates open at four. Practice starts at five. The game itself is going to start around six. And then the action will probably clean up around 7 o'clock. We'll have an autograph session afterwards with all the players. And then we're going to have live DJ during the entire game. DJ Wizard back with us. Yes, DJ Wizard. (laughs) Back-to-back weekends of DJ Wizard. You can't go wrong with that, Chris. That's right. He's going to be there. We're going to have our food trucks there. I know that's kind of always a big thing is, well, it's always not an actual game. We're not going to have food trucks. It's just going to be regular concessions. No, we will have food trucks there. Pretty options for everybody. We're excited to see what Timmy and the team has this year with some new guys. And if you've been able to go to practice, you've been seeing some of the highlights and some of the play that's been going on that gets you excited. On the 25th, you'll really see some explosiveness. You'll see what this team has and really get excited for what we have coming in the fall. Excellent. Captain Fun, Eric Matthews, thank you very much. We'll keep folks on top of it. We appreciate you coming on. Uh, shout out to DJ Wizard when you see him. <laughs> Not a problem. I will tell him you said hello. You know what? I might even give you a shout out, too, that you can put on your Instagram. There you go. I want I want to take a selfie with DJ Wizard. That would be cool. The people think I'm really cool. Well, bring your granddaughter. We'll have her on there with him, too. Let's, <laughs> let's Come on, Chris. Yeah. Right on, brother. Thanks, thank you, Eric. Eric. Hey, fellas. All right, there you go. Uh, a marketing uh, person, marketing director. What's his title? Mark, head of marketing. I think it's marketing director. Mar- sales and marketing. He's the marketing director at the University of Hawaii. Uh, him and, you know, of course, uh, you know, his friend DJ Wizard. I wonder what DJ Wizard's real name is. Wiz? I'm not sure. I'm just, I, people wonder that. No. It's 17 minutes after the hour here. On ESPN Honolulu, uh, Rainbow Warrior basketball team is uh, in um, going at it this afternoon. You can hear the game, the pregame at four o'clock, uh, tip off at five o'clock here on ESPN Honolulu. Josh Pacheco is uh, on the mainland. Derek Lowe is going to join us next and kind of get us ready for that. Uh, time for our bulletin board from Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union. Life matters. And uh, families are affected by disasters. They urgently need support. If you'd like to help with the American Red Cross, you can donate today at redcross.org. We'll be right back with Derek Lowe. i 
We've been talking a lot of basketball that's going on this weekend, both in high school and college for the University of Hawaii men's team. Big game against Cal Poly. Tip-off just after 5 p.m. today. We're going to get more in-depth now as we are joined here with a color analyst on radio broadcast for the home game on ESPN Honolulu. Derek Lowe joins us. Derek, great to have you on again. After the Irvine lost a week and a half ago on the road, did you ever expect Hawaii to come back home and beat San Diego and UC Davis, two second-place teams last week? <laughs> hey, how's it going, guys? Um, hey. Man, uh, did I think they they were going to beat them? I'm not too sure if I would have, like, betted money on it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I could definitely, like, because we've seen what Hawaii is capable of, right? And yeah. we've seen them at their lows. So, I mean, it, it, it was hard It was hard to say that I thought that they were going to do it, but to actually see them do it, now that was a, that, that was a whole different, uh, you know, animal. And I think that, you know, it's just very refreshing and encouraging for, for all the fans, all of Hawaii fans, to see them actually do it. So I think that was awesome. How do you think they did it? What changed? What really clicked over the weekend for them to have those two big victories? Oh man, you know, like I think it was, I think it was everything. Um, you know, what I saw from where I was at, you know, well, first of all, I'd like to say that their game against UC Davis, right? Um, I think that was the best game from start to finish that we've seen this year. Um, if you would ask me last week, I would have said it was a San Diego game, but this time it's right. a UC Davis. So, I mean, they're, they're getting better and better, but, um, you know, one, I thought they played really physical defense, you know. Like, I thought that they, they locked everything up on defense pretty good. You know, they, 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 they stopped ball. Uh, they really, really guarded it. Um, most of the times, right, this year, I think we saw, like, uh, Fullerton, Irvine, Santa Barbara were more the, the, the aggressors on defense against Hawaii. But, like, against UC Davis, I, I did notice that they picked it up on the defensive end. Um you know, it helped that Hawaii shot the ball well. You know, they, they, they shot it mm. better than they have in the past. And, <laughs> you know, their, their, their rebounding has been really good, really, really good. So I thought collectively, you know, Hawaii is looking pretty sharp right now. Yeah, I mean, shooting 70%, 80% from uh, three-pointers. That's, I'd say that was pretty good. You know, one th- question I kind of uh, openly ask is, this is they don't look like the team we saw in the beginning or the middle of the season. All of a sudden, the UH men's basketball team is playing with such grit. You mentioned the defense. Look at Noel Coleman on defense. Look at Justin McCoy shooting threes. Is this the real UH basketball team? Is this the real team? Or is, I mean, can they sustain this, I guess, is what I'm asking. Yeah, I mean... You know, I think if every if anyone knew that uh, the answer to that question, they'd probably make mm. a lot of money. But um, mm-hmm. you know, um, I I'd say the best thing I could say is, you know, this is what they're capable of. I mean, yeah. I I think we all knew that Hawaii had you know uh, very good pieces to the puzzle. Um, you know, they had a good game plan, but whether or not they were able to consistently put it together night in and de- night out, that was where they struggled. You know, um, you know, they went through highs, they went through lows. Um, as Coach Tony Bennett would say at Virginia, right, peaks and valleys. But, you know, if it's what you do, if, if you can remain steadfast and, and really weather those storms, you know, um, Hawaii went through a couple of adversities, you know, with injuries, um, mm. you know, they, uh, but, 
you know, they're, they're a team that, that, that responds pretty well. And, um, you know, I just, I just, I just really enjoyed the way they played against, uh, UC Davis and looking forward to them to continue that play, yeah. you know, against Cal Poly because now every win matters now, you know, so mm-hmm. it's important to win these road games that you're supposed to win. Right. And, you know, it's also kind of refreshing that, hey, you know, if we start peaking now, it's better than like, hey, look how good we were during the diamond head. Right. Oh, this is where you yeah. want to be peaking heading into the tournament. Yeah, exactly. Peaking at the right time. Yeah, that, that, I think that's the most important thing. All right, Derek Lowe joining us here on ESPN Honolulu. One of the things when I look back at last week that was different about this team as well is the ball movement. You and I have talked about it numerous times. A lot of people have talked about, you know, maybe being a little stagnant at times or maybe in November you have the quicker ball movement. And one of the reasons I think is Juan Munoz is now starting, and he started for the last maybe month or so, and Cody Williams coming in, which means Jovan McClanahan, who was out last week, and I don't want to blame him for the lack of ball movement, but the team seems to be flowing offensively a lot better, a lot crisper, crispier, I guess, if you want to put it that way, than they have before. And I'm just wondering if maybe that lineup that they've been using last week is part of the reason why. Yeah, I mean, I think so. And like you, you know, I'm not going to knock McClanahan because he is a good player in his own right. Uh, he he just he, he does things uh, differently. He he's a strong, tough competitor, but he's more of a, a a creator for himself. You know, he likes to he likes to pound the ball and and get to his spots deep in the paint. And everyone knows he likes his his spin, you know, turnaround jump shot. So he's he's more of a, a creator for himself that can get his shot off. Um, Munoz, he's more of a you know a, a pass first, but also he, he likes to catch and shoot from the three. You know, Tom Beatty is more of a facilitator. Um, Cody Williams, right? He's a player off the bench. I mean, he surprised everybody. You know, the last the last couple games, you know, about his play, um, tremendous play. But um, again, you know, more of a, a defender slash role player. You know, he's showing he could hit shots, but you know, also facilitator. Right. So um, with this new lineup, I mean, you, the ball is flying around a lot more. You know, it, it, it's touching different hands. I think I saw a couple possessions against Davis where uh, the ball literally went to everybody's hands before it went up. You know, and then mm-hmm. when you and when that happens, when you're moving the ball that fast and around the key, you know, defense is shifting. You're causing rotations. You're, you're playing out of scrambles. Boom. You're going to get wide open shots. Right, if you're patient. So I, I really like that ball movement, and it's it's kind of similar to like you know how San Antonio used to swing the ball or Golden State Warriors. Justin McCoy has been such a different player offensively the last couple of weeks. I wonder if that might be part of the reason where Bernardo da Silva has maybe been able to have more offensive production in the last couple of weeks as well. He's hitting more free throws, but down low he's been more of a force. And Justin McCoy maybe keeping the defense honest a little bit with what he's been doing. Yeah, I mean Bernardo, seven of ten from the free throw line. Oh, huh? I mean that's uh, that's that's career high great, probably. You know, for him, yeah. But um, you know, uh, yeah, you know, it's always it's always more difficult when you have uh, or to guard when you have you know other guys that are contributing and and being threats. You know, I mean that's that, that's standard, right? I mean, sure. if I had a backcourt mate and he was going off on threes, he's going to draw attention. You know, then 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 I'm gonna get open, and I'm and I can do what I do. And then if I get attention, you know, it's just, it just kind of spreads throughout everyone. And the more help you get, the more involved and and active your teammates can be. It's 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 going to open you up. And you know, I thought I think these last several this last stretch, 
you know, Bernardo and um, McCoy really complemented each other. And they're both, they're both active on rebounds. McCoy is relentless on rebounds, and he chases after everything, even no matter how far it is. But, um, you know, I thought McCoy came, off, uh, came out of the gate hot, you know, uh, offensively, which probably led to, you know, his, his, his uh, you know, fueling his defense. But, yeah, I, I think they all fueled each other for sure. And Justin McCoy, of course, the Big West Player of the Week, as we heard uh, a couple of days ago as well. Okay, when you played basketball at Washington State, if you had a game against maybe a bottom feeder, I'm not sure if Oregon State might have been that team when you played at Wazoo, but how do you make sure this Hawaii team doesn't overlook Cal Poly to get ready for a big rematch with Santa Barbara Saturday at noon? Cal Poly is winless, but still we know that they can compete and give, uh, give challenges to the team. How do you make sure the team doesn't overlook them? Oh, man, Gary, what are you talking about? We were that bottom team. <laughs> you were in the we Sweet the 16. That, I know, but we were the ones that were always had to, uh, you know, everyone looked at us like, oh, my goodness, we got to play those guys. But, yeah, um, but yeah, no, you know, you, Coach Kanat has to continue to instill in them that, that type of mentality. You know, you got to have that underdog mentality where you never, you can't overlook somebody, you can't, uh, you can't, um, you know, think to the other game. As I said, these games are going to be important now the closer we get to postseason. But, um, you know, I think you got to take it as a challenge. You know, uh, we saw a lot of clutter in the big in, in, in the conference and as far as the standing. So, uh, you know, Hawaii has to take care of business. They've beaten Cal Poly, but Cal, Cal Poly is a little tricky because they came back from behind with a vengeance, you know, and, and they have a couple guys that can really, really put the ball in the basket and are unique players to guard, you know, and you have like a six, nine point guard point forward, you know, I don't know right. too much you can do with that, but you know, Hawaii has to really focus, take care of business, keep building on, on this confidence and trajectory that they're at and then take it on to, uh, Santa Barbara, you know, so it's just it's it's one game at a time, but they they got to really you know take care of business with Polly. And Polly has their Kobe Kobe Sanders, the player you're talking about, the six nine point who had a really good game against Hawaii last month. We'll look forward to that game coming up this afternoon. You and I will talk again at four o'clock for Rainbow Warrior Countdown. Derek, always great having you on the show. We love your insight. Thanks again. All right, take care, guys. All right, thank you so much. Derek Lowe joining us here on ESPN Honolulu, and you'll hear Derek and myself again for Rainbow Warrior Countdown at 4 p.m. A game you can't really overlook, where I think Hawaii is seven-and-a-half-point favorites right now against Cal Poly, but they do present challenges, and uh, they almost beat Long Beach State a couple of weeks ago. Even though they're winless, you can't really let that record deceive you. Mm -hmm. Hey, uh, get ready for the next Craig Angeles show coming up Tuesday 6 p.m., Velocity of Honolulu on Kapiolani Boulevard. You can join our pal, Kanoa Leahy, along with our athletic director. Who knows? Maybe uh, Kurt Favela will be there as well. <laughs> He'll continue on with his. I, like, I wonder if Kanoa is going to ask about that. Anyway, uh, lots of food and drink, too, from the Artisan Restaurant right there on location. You can self or valet park. Uh, once again, Tuesday, 6 p.m. It's brought to you by H Camp and the JN Group. Hey, remember now, you can upgrade your island style with Kahala, the original Aloha shirt since 1936. Get one for your own self at one of Kahala's six stores island-wide or at kahala.com. 
You know, the Super Bowl has been over for a few days, and there's still some of the conversations about the game and all that. I remember, I think it was Monday and maybe even in the Tuesday, there were some people speculating about the future of the San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes, and that he might get other opportunities, maybe not as a head coach for this upcoming season because they've been filled, but and he has been a head coach before, but maybe he will be a guy that could take that next step. I didn't anticipate after hearing a few people write about that because they had a great defense for the most part this year. I mean, they didn't do great in the playoffs, especially the first two games. But then they let him go yesterday. The 49ers let Steve Wilkes leave. Not didn't let him leave. They told him to leave. And I was really surprised at that. Is he being the scapegoat? I mean, this team let up 25 points in five quarters. And that, I don't think, should be on the defensive coordinator. They didn't play their best game. And again, in their playoffs, you know, the you know the Green Bay game and even Detroit had that big lead against them. But I was really surprised to see him let go. And I just wonder if it was Kyle Shanahan or John Lynch, a combination of both. But he's the guy you released. You lost a few other assistant coaches that got promoted for other uh, other teams to get a step up. Offensive coordinator with, I think, New Orleans and stuff like you that. You mean assistant coaches got hired away for coordinator positions? Yeah, yeah. A couple, okay. I think they lost like four other assistants. Uh, but Steve Wolves apparently did a good job. I mean, the entire regular season, I don't know what they ended up being ranked, but it had to be top three or four defense in the NFL. Well, a lot of his numbers were actually better than uh, the last defensive coordinator. Oh, my gosh, the head coach for the Houston Texans. Uh, Ryan, uh, D'Amico Ryan. D'Amico Ryan's, his, his, a lot of his stats are actually better than his. I mean, what was the score at halftime of the Super Bowl? Was 10, it 10-3? 10-3, So right? you gave up 10 points to one of the best teams in the league. They gave up three. It, 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 they were winning. Th- oh, that's right. So they give up three points in the first half. Thank you, Gary. So, I mean, you, you're playing Patrick Mahomes. You, you got fired because of this? Eh, it's got to be something else. Yeah. It's got to be something else. I mean, why would you go, oh, okay, it's not my, you know, what about play calling? What about anything else? I mean, what? I, just for a guy you know that, has proven he's a good coordinator to fire him after one season? I mean, maybe you're expecting more with those great, great linebackers, although Greenlaw was out. Yeah. Another but, I mean, you know, with, with the you know the great defense that you had, I mean, they could do a little better in the secondary as far as personnel go. But, uh, again, I don't know. I, I mean, I've heard, and that was the talk yesterday. We're a little day late on the whole scapegoat thing. Was it a scapegoat thing or just, hey, you know what? It's got to be something else. I don't think uh, the the brain trust in San Francisco is going, all right, whose fault is this? Somebody's got to pay. Yeah. I don't think they look look at it that way. It's got to be something else or a combination of things. Yeah, I I think kind of along those ways, along those lines as well. And think about this. In the the overtime period where Niners are up by three, 22-19, Kansas City has the ball, in the beginning of that drive, they had a fourth and one on their own 30-something yard line, and they converted, and they obviously went down and got a touchdown. So let's say they stopped Kansas City on that fourth and one. They're Super Bowl champs. They were one play away numerous times on that drive from being the Super Bowl champion. If they win the Super Bowl, they're not getting rid of defensive coordinator. You can't release right. him. So- or uh, Harrison Butker missed that uh, field goal, right? That's the point. Extra point? No. If he misses that field goal, then oh, if he misses, the, 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 you know they're Super Bowl champs. I mean, my goodness. 
So you're, again, I, I agree with what you said a minute ago, but there's got to be more to this and maybe just Kyle Shanahan thinking, well, I got to make changes and it ain't going to be me. Still, I, I, I was really surprised at that. And I would imagine, I don't know how many defensive coordinator spots are open right now, but Steve Wilkes has done a pretty good job. And again, their defense was really good. Was it, was it Steve Wilkes' fault that Chase Young in the first couple of playoff games did not play that well? I mean, it looks like he gave up on a few plays, and that was been noted well, by many. Well, that's why Washington got rid of him. That's not on Steve Wilkes. That's know, the that's story of Chase yeah. Young. Yeah, Chase Young takes a lot of plays off. And that's what I mean. So it's not his fault. So I, I think he was uh, a scapegoat. And, again, you one play away from right. winning. Too bad right. that this happened to him. I was really surprised at that. I think the more disturbing news is, and this was put out on social media by the Pittsburgh Steelers, is that uh, the rumor is, the Chicago Bears are going to uh, get rid of uh, trade Justin Fields to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I've seen that a few times. Okay, too. didn't you learn your lesson with another lousy Bears quarterback in Mitchell Trubisky? Now you want Justin Fields? I don't know how that's going to go over with uh, uh, Steelers Nation. The reports I saw, I think it might have been from Adam Schefter a few days ago, that there were three after the Trubisky release which surprised nobody, <laughs> is that there were three quarterbacks they might have had their eyes on. One is Ryan Tannehill, which I found a little maybe surprising, uh, maybe kind of a Band-Aid fix. So, so well, the guys, how you, I mean, is if he's going to be a backup quarterback, uh, Mason, you got to remember, Mason Rudolph is a free agent, so it, you want a backup quarterback with a lot of starting experience. And Ryan Tannehill, not Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill is that perfect guy. Look at all the starts he's got. He'd probably be better than uh, – uh, he'd probably he'd probably win the starting job. Well, that, when you say as a backup, I, I mean, if, if, they're doing, if they're looking at it that way with Justin Fields or Tannehill or whatever – I can't remember the third guy right now. What does that say about Kenny Pickett? That's what I'm saying. No, either they're the backup. They Look, they got to decide if Kenny Pickett is going to be their guy. So I'm guessing they'll have a battle in camp. Uh, and if Kenny Pickett wins the job, great. You have an experienced backup quarterback. You know, you want they're looking for another Joe Flacco, right? Right, right. right. A guy, and that's what you look for. That's why Marcus Mariota is very, uh, you know, he has a lot of starts. That's why he's a valuable backup quarterback. Didn't really make it in the league as a starting quarterback, but he can play for years as a backup quarterback because you're looking for experienced starters. So if Kenny Pickett wins the job, great. If not, Ryan Tannehill will be your starter, and you'll be better off, many Steelers fans would say, with Tannehill than Kenny Pickett. You mentioned a minute ago, like, you kind of, but well, not really happy about the prospects of maybe a Justin Fields. I, I wouldn't write off Justin Fields just yet. I mean, he didn't have a lot of help around him, and there were moments for the last two years where he, I mean, could really run the ball. Yeah, But great. he had some decent passing games. They, they already got two good running backs. They don't need a third. And, and that's not been the Steelers' offense. You need a guy who can complete passes who's better than 56% completion. But who is that guy? Who's out there? I don't know. He might be there in the draft. The next Patrick Mahomes might be in the draft. If you look, I was, for fun, I was looking back, and don't ask me why, I was looking back at the 2017 mock drafts. Virtually no one had Patrick Mahomes as a first-round draft choice. If you're talking about Mel Kuyper or uh, what's his name, Todd, Todd McShay. McShay, or some of these other people, one of them had Kansas City at number 27 taking Mahomes, and I don't remember which uh, guy had it. That was only after looking at five, that was where you were with the mock draft. 
Somebody's out there. Maybe the next Brock Purdy is out there. Maybe the next Joe Montana in the third round. Maybe the next Dak Prescott in the fifth round. I think you've got to take a quarterback in the draft. Maybe not in the first round, but the Steelers have got to take a quarterback. I don't know if Ken – who knows? You know, with the new offensive coordinator the last couple of games, they looked a little better. Uh, maybe they're going to build on that. Who knows? But I don't think getting somebody like Justin Fields – you should have learned your lesson already. The only backup quarterback that you got, and they've tried Michael Vick and other guys, all of these guys with all of this experience bringing them onto the team – the only guy that has worked out relatively has been Charlie Batch. And that was a long time ago. It's 847 here with the animals. This is ESPN. We'll uh, continue your thought coming up next year. I uh, want to remind you that coming up, uh, UH Baseball is uh, got a show on called Extra Innings with Rich Hill. Uh, next show is coming up. Well, this says Wednesday, February 7th, but I believe it's, it's this next Wednesday. Wednesday. It's next Wednesday. Yeah, it's coming the Wednesday coming up. Uh, extra innings with Rich Hill live from Mr. Oji-san, Neo Bar and Sushi. Uh, you can get the inside scoops on everything Rainbow Warrior Baseball, too. Uh, we'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu. All right, we found the, uh, we are talking about the mock drafts uh, in 2017. And uh, I now you remember Patrick Mahomes, you know, has, has such a great career. Remember, he didn't play his first year, right? Right. right so Alex that was Smith. Alex Smith was the quarterback, and he just sat. And then he came on, and what was, you know, basically his rookie year, uh, you know, he took off. I mean, he's like, you know, people are calling him the GOAT. Already, there's no doubt in anyone's mind, this early into his career, five years of playing, he's already a Hall of Fame quarterback. Now, there was I mentioned there was one mock draft that I saw. I had Patrick Mahomes towards the end of the first round, and that was the Kansas City Chiefs. Was that Todd McShay, um, Tanner? So what this mock draft was was a uh, collection of, I think, the beat reporters for each NFL okay. team. So okay. this was Adam Tyker, I think that's how you say his name, who's their uh, Chiefs reporter. And he had said, the Chiefs haven't drafted the quarterback in the first round since 83, so this pick is well overdue. Alex Smith has two seasons left on his contract, giving the Chiefs plenty of time, if they so choose, to develop a quarterback with a lot of potential. <laughs> that's describing Patrick Mahomes. Eh, pretty good quarterback. Got a lot of potential, a lot of upside. Well, I guess they did develop him. It only took him a year to develop him. But uh, it was crazy. Somebody else must have been honing in on him because I remember the Chiefs, I, I want to say number 10, but I could be off on that. They traded up to get Patrick Mahomes. And I remember thinking, you letting Alex Smith leave after he just led you to a playoff run? Because of this rookie Mahomes, come on, Alex Smith has proven himself. Well, I guess yeah. they knew a little better. I don't know. I just, I just was queasy. I was just every time Alex Smith took the field, I was scared for his health. But I was in it Washington. Was, I mean, in, in Kansas City, I don't think he had any of those injuries. He was doing pretty. Oh, good. Oh, was right? that it? Was yeah, that it? Kansas City. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, so uh, I guess another uh, um, uh, draft pundit actually had 
Patrick McCombs. Patrick McCombs. Those are Red McCombs. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes going to this team, Tanner. Yes, this was R.J. White from CBS Sports going to, at 13 from Arizona, the New York Jets. Yes, we'll take them. Jets. (laughs) Please. And this excerpt about it is so funny. Another quarterback for the Jets? I know, but even though they have a 2017 starter in Josh McCown and and two developmental guys in Christian Hackenberg and and Bryce Petty, Ah! the saying goes that if you have three quarterbacks, you have none. That was true. (laughs) They had none. Christian Christian Hackenberg. Hackenberg. What was he from, Michigan or West Virginia or something? Penn State. He was really good his freshman year. And then after that, it was like, eh. I think it was Christian Bill Hackenberg. Yeah. What? Was, Christian, I think Bill O'Brien had him that freshman year before he left, if, not, if I'm not mistaken. No. In 2017, seven years ago, Bill O'Brien wasn't there seven years ago. I thought he had him his first year. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, you could be wrong. I mean, I could be wrong. Sorry. But, but, <laughs> I could but, be wrong. I'm sorry. But Hackenberg was unbelievably bad. Bryce Petty out of Bell was supposed to be the next guy. Every year they draft somebody who's supposed to be the next Sam Darnold. Zach Wilson at number two. Oh, Chris, you can have Zach Wilson for free. Would you want to take <laughs> him on your Steelers? Hey, but you know what? The more I, there's a, um, uh, Lewis Reddick actually says, because the Steelers' new offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith, he says Justin Fields, perfect fit for the Steelers. So in this new offense, apparently, uh, you don't really need to complete passes. So that's something to look forward to for the Steelers fans. All right, we got to go. We'll see you next time. This is uh, thanks, Tanner. This is ESPN Honolulu, ninety-two point seven FM and fourteen twenty AM.